Tony. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. We're going all Labor Day classic on tonight's show. We'll talk to the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor, about this weekend's game as well as some other goings-on in the Canadian Football League. And Murray McCormick of the Regina Leader Post brings us the Riders angle. That's all coming up on the podcast. The Labor Day Classic. Derek Taylor has called the last couple on the other side of the street here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now calling one for the Blue Bombers. Derek heading back into Regina for the first time since uh, you came over here. Are you expecting to get heckled at all? Well, I, I've been asked to be in a dunk tank uh, the day before the game. I don't know if I think that's a great idea, uh, but uh, it's for charity, so I kind of want to do it. Um, yeah, I haven't heard any heckling yet, but once I get to town, we'll see what happens. I mean, you had a preseason game there, but that's that's not the same as the Labor Day Classic. No, no, not at all. So this is this is the one, right? Sold out crowd. Uh, I mean, the Riders, you know, in danger of falling below 500 if things don't go well for them in in this home and home. Like uh, it, they're in a precarious spot. So yeah, I feel the, the the tempers will be much more flared for this one. Let's say that. So as far as the action is concerned, obviously the Bombers are going to be the favorites. They're 10 and one. The Riders are six and five. But in our experience as football fans of this sport, we know that records don't necessarily mean a whole lot when it comes to these Labor Day matchups. Beyond this matchup, all the the main rivalry matchups, Edmonton won in Calgary last year and Edmonton stunk last year. So looking at this matchup on Sunday, what are you expecting? Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Bombers defense is, is ready to take advantage of the Bombers offense, excuse me, ready to take advantage of the Riders defense, or at least hold their water against the Riders defense because, man, they have a front that if they're entirely healthy, they can attack in a variety uh, of ways. I'm just literally now catching up on, on all my charting for the season. And you see weapons like Anthony Lanier's uh, number 91, if he plays, he, he's the league leader in quarterback pressures by my count from the interior, which is incredible. They'll rush him inside. They'll rush him on the outside. He's been ripping up quarterbacks. And then Oh, by the way, there's Pete Robertson, who was injured but led the league in sacks when he got injured. And, oh, by the way, there's A.C. Leonard, who was a borderline defensive player of the year uh, quality season last season, who is coming back from a stint on six-game injured list. They can really attack you. Their, their three linebackers might be the best trio in the CFL. And then, oh, they can cover as well. Sh- Jason Shivers, their defensive coordinator, likes to get after you in, in certain spots on second down. So what, what can they do with that? They can give you a variety of looks. So what can their offense do against a defense that really likes to get after and has quality players able to get at, get after an offense? Now, this game has obvious implications for both teams. The Bombers can clinch a playoff spot, which is you know great. Right. They're, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. We know that. But at 10-1, and one, that's wild to do it in Week 13, isn't it? Hey, oh, it really is. I... I kind of want to go back and see when's the last time this happened. And it requires, you know, the bottom three teams in the league to be so poor that that they could be almost out of the running lot early. But no, it's it's fantastic. And we asked that we asked a couple of guys about it and you know, they gave us the one and oh thing. But there there's going to be a point, and this isn't the point because you're not trying to clinch the crossover spot, but there'll be a point where they, they start to have options with how they deal with players and injuries and rest because if you are 
11 and one. If you are, I mean, if you ever get to a 14 and one, 14 and two, you, you have all the options in the world at that point with what's going on behind you in the standing. So uh, this game won't be the one that pushes them over that edge, but it's another step towards, ooh, we can handle this run up to the playoffs exactly how we want. We have all the options at our disposal. Take us back to practice today and all the familiar faces that it's been a while since you've seen out there today. Oh, I, this is this is one. Uh, this is a safe space, right? I can admit something dumb to you, yes, Christian. Is please. out there. I, I was looking because the Bombers signed two guys officially yesterday, and I went, "Oh, there! Oh, that must be one of them." Where number thirty-seven? And then I went after a couple minutes. I'm like. No, wait a minute. That's Brandon Alexander. That's Brandon Alexander's music. He was back in uniform, big knee brace on, but out there on the field with the other guys for the first time this season. And man, I mean, just from talking to guys, I I haven't talked to them after playing a game with Alexander, but uh, Alexander is this talismanic figure who just lifts up everybody around him and he's like a coach on the field and oh by the way he hits like a Mack truck despite weighing you know 190 pounds whatever it is soaking wet he, he's just this figure that yeah Doug Brown of the pregame shows has been imagine what it will look like when Brandon Alexander gets back at safety so to have him back was great Michael Couture was back he's got a soft cast on his left arm he's got a real substantial scar clearly from surgery on that left arm which uh broken arm in the Ottawa game in the week number two to have him back uh, will be great. He's not ready to go yet. At least he wasn't with the first team today. But having him back, Noah Hallett was back in there. Malcolm Thompson, who's been on six games. Reda Cranby, who's missed two games. Uh, Drew Richmond, who's been around the team all season and been on injured reserve since they signed him. Well, he's there to provide depth on the offensive line. There were so many new bodies. It was it was tough keeping track of them all. And you just think of what great news that is going Okay, well, we've been wanting to know when is Brandon Alexander going to return? Well, this is a massive step because there he was with, you know, the second team defense playing halfback just for, just for, you know, to fill in for some bodies. And you go, oh, it's getting close. And they could have their peak lineup and, and all their, all their roster options. Brandon O'Leary Orange was there too. All their roster options could be available in the, you know, in the next little while. And just think of how scary that is, really, for the Winnipeg right. Blue Bombers. That really the the quarterback of the secondary, one of the most important players, and and we remember 2019 when he gets moved to safety, it all clicks on the defensive side of the ball. It's he's been such a key part of it, and and I know watching down there on the sideline, I get a great vantage point of Alexander, and just how active he is in the course yeah. of a game. He's basically a you know almost like a co-defensive backs coach with Jordan Younger down there. Yeah, he, he's really been working it. And then think of the options that'll give him for any future injuries, right? When Brandon Alexander returns, if you were to lose Donald Rutledge, okay, well, boom, you go down you go down to play the dime back spot and Malcolm Thompson will be the safety when all these guys are healthy. Oh, pretend they lost Dietrich Nichols for half a game. Well, you go there and we're going to bring Thompson in at safety. He's he's this guy who honestly could could he play all six defensive back spots as a way to get out of a game? I, I feel like he could. Uh, I mean, everybody talks about how smart he is and how in tune he is with everything. That's that's going to be the biggest one uh, when it happens. And, yeah, as you get more players back, you have more options for what you can do going forward, which will be, which will be great. And to your point, they've won 10 games without all these guys. Unbelievable. 
Let's uh, get your thoughts on some other Canadian Football League stories. The trade involving the Montreal Alouettes and the BC Lions today, Vernon Adams Jr. goes to BC. They clearly have a need at quarterback with Nathan Rourke gone for probably the year, and Michael O'Connor is hurt as well. Not that he looked great in his time against the Riders last weekend. Can he provide immediate help for this team? Yes, in in my mind, yes. As I watched that, as I watched that game, I thought, okay, well, O'Connor looks kind of like I thought O'Connor looked. Antonio Pipkin, uh, you know, the second guy in there, essentially their third string quarterback, is a guy who's a little juice. He can scramble and he can run, and he he's got a little Vernon Adams in him. He's got a little Ottawa's Caleb Evans in him, and just kind of the way he moves, he's got some juice in there, but ultimately not super accurate as a passer. And so Vernon Adams comes in, a guy with a lot of starting experience, not super accurate as a passer, but can keep plays alive. And and last season as a starter in Montreal, uh, I, have a, I have a stat, and the CFL tracks it too, it's average depth of target. So it's on average how far downfield was the pass that you threw. Adams blew that stat up. It's the highest number I've ever seen. I think in mine it was well over 13 yards downfield. He loves to. He's been loving to throw the ball deep. And oh, by the way, BC happens to have a core of receivers that, if you want to, can absolutely take down the deep ball between, I mean, with just their starters and, and then their backups too. Brian Burnham catches everything. Dominic Rimes is the leading receiver in the league, and Bomber fans remember the deep balls he caught on them. Uh, Keon Hatcher can make things happen. Javon Katoy, not a deep threat, but a super valuable receiver on the on the way. Uh He's got to, if they harness him correctly, I think they can do great things. The problem is that for all the highs that Vernon Adams provides, there are some real low lows as well with his inaccuracy problems, with his problems in decision-making that I'm, I'm happy they did it from a, from a CFL-wide perspective because they've got a great roster that's ready to compete. But I just don't know. This is the then this is the guy that was available. This is the one who might be able to make hay with this lineup. But I I've been off the Vernon Adams wagon for for quite some time, so I don't think this one. You know, if this was the West Final BC at Winnipeg, I'd be very confident if I'm a Bombers fan. Uh, but honestly, it's the move they made, and I, and I'm glad they made it because they have a rare opportunity with that amount of talent. Al's also making another trade today. They sent. Uh, third-round pick and defensive lineman Avery Ellis to Edmonton for another defensive lineman, Thomas Costigan, and defensive back Nafis Lyon. You posted on Twitter yeah. that you didn't really understand this one. Explain why. I, I just – I don't get it. Like, uh, as I as I evaluate this trade, Montreal absolutely robbed them. Like, they snuck a gun into the stadium and said, give me these two guys and we'll leave you this and we're done. Um, I was just going through it. Avery Ellis and Thomas Costigan. There, it's not. I can't tell you if it's like for like, but their statistical production is absolutely like for like. Costigan, just watching uh, this week's game against Ottawa, just just wrecking things, just making stuff happen from the outside. Avery Ellis, fine in that respect as well. Uh, their numbers this season, as far as quarterback pressures, sacks, the kind of sacks and the impact they've had, pretty much even. Where I don't get it is they Edmonton throws Nafis Lion into this deal. Uh, Chris Jones appears to like and appears for his career to have liked large defensive backs, six foot two, six foot one, six foot five. If you're Deron Carter and I can convert you from receiver. So Lyon doesn't fit in that mold at five foot ten, but that cat sticks to receivers like glue. You put him on the short side, you put him on the wide side. Lyon is all over 
people. I, I first noticed him late last season, and I went, who is this guy, number 24, and why is he doing this to good receivers? So I, I don't get – you can swap like for like. If you think Ellis is a better fit for your team than Thomas Costigan, I would have been just fine with that. If you also got a third-round pick, fine, whatever. I just don't get tossing a really nice young defensive back into this mix because if, if you watch this Bombers team, Christian, you see it up close – the halfbacks and the defensive backs on the Bombers team are not big dudes, right? Uh, Dietrich nope. Nichols, Nick Taylor are not big dudes. They just shut guys down. There, there isn't a really a big defensive back out there for the Bombers, but they, they, they suffocate people. And I just, I don't get it. My impression is it's, it's because he's not real big and he doesn't fit Jones's mold. But I don't understand why you're throwing away good play, like good players for. In a trade like this, I don't understand much of what Chris Jones has done as the GM, and this one especially so, because Nafi's line is a good player in Montreal scored. Uh, quickly, before I let you go, I know you're out on Dane Evans. Well, <laughs> Hamilton has to be in now with Matt Schiltz out four to six weeks. Are we about to learn if Dane Evans has a future in the CFL? Um, Like, like this is end of days for him? Like, I he he might be the most frustrating watch for me in the Canadian Football League. Um, fumbles and bad passes that turn into interceptions and pained looks on the sidelines of I don't know why that ball went away. Well, it's because he threw it right to the other team. I, I think this might be that's that's awful news for for Hamilton and great news for the Bombers playoff spot. I I don't know anything about Jamie Newman who will now be the backup other than some short yarded stuff. That's that's rough news because Schultz looked like he had some pop to him. Whereas I feel like I've seen the Dane Evans movie and I know it's not very good and I've never been, he has some, 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 uh, some performances, but ultimately uh, the Bombers defense scared him silly in two straight great cups. And that's, that's kind of the story of it. So that's, that's real rough news for Hamilton because uh, Dane Evans hasn't done much to prove doubters wrong this season. Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this and have fun in Regina on the weekend. Thanks brother. Turn our attention back to football. The Labor Day Classic coming up on Sunday in Regina. Murray McCormick of the Regina Leader Post covering it for that publication joins us now. Murray, how are things feeling in Regina? Is there excitement now of this game after the big win in BC? I think they might be calling it the July 1st Labor Day Classic. It's supposed to be like 34 degrees here on Sunday. Like it's smoking hot for September in Regina. Usually it's like 20, 21 degrees. It's like one of the most beautiful weekends you can probably possibly imagine. It's going to be like a sauna and a steam bath. And you had, you know, when you come to Mosaic Steam, you had another 10 degrees at field level because there's no wind and, and stuff. It is going to be a smoking hot day. And the only thing that's going to equal that is the excitement and the joy in Saskatchewan because the riders are heading into the Labor Day Classic with a win over the BC lines. If, we, if they hadn't had that, oh boy, it would have been ugly here. But there's a, there's a lot of interest in the riders. I think it's, uh, They've uh, caught, the, they, you know, someone said, asked them about how they can't like, carry momentum in there. I don't know if one win is exactly momentum, but there is a whole better mood in Saskatchewan when the Riders win, as, as you probably know. You had your colleague Rob Vance went on last week to talk about that game in BC and just how important it was. Turns out not having a quarterback, BC really struggled in that game, but the Riders still must have liked what they saw from Keon Schaefer-Baker having a big game. What they did to win in that football game 
Can they do that and win Sunday against the Blue Bombers? I don't know if they can give up seven sacks and still win. I think that's a, you know, the offensive line has to play better. You know, they won the game despite of the, the way the offensive line, and you know what Winnipeg's defensive line is like with Jefferson and Jeff Cote, and they're, they're trying to get to figure something out. But if they give up seven sacks, uh, I still think the Blue Bombers win. But, you know, it's funny because Rob and I this time actually were chatting. We, we were pretty well doom and gloom. It was going to be, you know, they're going to go back-to-back to play the Bombers three times out of three times in September, and it's just going to be three straight losses. But I'm feeling slightly more optimistic after watching, uh, I guess we call it the return of Cody Fajardo. Probably makes you feel a little more optimistic about the Riders. He showed the, uh, he has, he finally showed some mobility that's been missing since he hurt his knee against the uh, Edmonton Dallas early, early in the season. He's, he looked like the Fajardo of the old. So if he can still keep that going and the offensive line gives him a, a little bit of protection, you know, maybe they can maybe they can beat the Blue Bombers. Cool. I think you guys, despite their record, they've shown some uh, some holes and some ways to be taken advantage of. So I'm I'm not 100% behind the Riders, but I think there's a chance the Riders could win this. And as also happens on Labor Day Classic, it's a whole other game. It doesn't matter what the records are. You throw them out, and you just have these two teams to hammer at each other. So I think it could be an interest more interesting than was if the Riders had say they'd lost to the Lions. It would have been a whole different week coming into this. You've covered a number of Labor Day classics over the years. Yeah. How true is it that the records don't matter going into this game? Oh, 100% doesn't matter. Like, there's just something I, I don't think there's any game in the season that comes to match it. Like, the problem, the thing, the thing that does the take it out is because the hype goes like people can tell you stories about going to Labor Day classics with their dad, like people, young kids, and growing up with this football game as part of their lives. And that adds to some of the mystique. Like there, there may have been some games where the records matter, but you know, it just, it's just something about this whole weekend. that's just magical. And it's, uh, it's, you know, I remember back in the days and I take my daughters off and we'd sit on Hemorrhoid Hill and pay five bucks a ticket to watch the Labor Day Classic. And it was just amazing to do that. So there's some mystique and magic about it that does, does that. But I think the records are indicative this year of what the two teams are like, the Riders are a six and five team. They they they've lost that, and the Blue Bombers, despite some you know the, some wrinkles and stuff, are a ten and one team. So I think the records are indicated. I think the Bombers are favored. I haven't looked yet. Are they favored? You think? I, uh, I would think so. Is. Let me quickly pull it up for you here. I know I shouldn't ask you questions, but that's okay. That's okay. No, I mean <laughs> the Bombers have been favored in pretty much every game so far this year. Yeah. Uh, looks like we've got Win- Winnipeg minus four and a half, depending on where you- it's open at four and a half. It's now down to three and a half. So they are okay. the over field goal favorite on the road in the Labor Day Classic. On the road against a team that's shown, I think offensively, it's ch- it can be challenged. It's challenged, I would think. But boy, when you get, you know, I, I know people in Winnipeg, bring Lenius resigned with them on Monday. And that's a big boost because Duke, Duke Williams is, it's had his ups and downs. And he had, he's kind of battling an ankle injury. So I don't know, quite know if Duke Williams is even going to play on Saturday. But now you got Lenius, you got Keon Schaefer, Baker, Shaq Evans comes back from a broken ankle. Uh, Kyran Moore comes back from a, a serious knee injury that happened late in October last year. And you got Justin McGinnis and all this host of other Canadians. So their receiving core looks pretty good heading against what I think is arguably the league's best defense. So there, there may be a, some hope there if, if Cody Fajardo can get even a little bit of protection. As you keep stressing that, it all comes back to the offensive line for me. 
the offensive line has got to give him some protection and then he can take advantage of these receivers. And another little part, I'm kind of interested to see, I don't know if you saw the game, or you probably saw the game against the Lions, that Frankie Hickson, uh, the running back, doesn't place the injured Jamal Moore, just had himself a game. He had like over 100 yard carries. He, he seeks contact. He's like a He's a bull rusher almost way. He's a slasher, but boy, does he like to the contact. And I think he might be able to have an impact because it'll give him a running game that might sort of take some of the pressure off the passing game a little bit. So that's another thing. But yeah, I'm just kind of babbling here, aren't I? But it's just, a, <laughs> I, I, I just, and I hate, and I'm, I'm winding up my career. So I, I kind of like, I've always liked the Labor Day Classic. It's always reconfirmed what the CFL means to me, what it means to people and how much fun it can be. And just something, and the games after Labor Day. I'm not saying they don't mean anything before, but they take on more meaning after Labor Day. Game. You just talk about playoffs, you talk about positioning stuff, and it has some meaning. And I always like that aspect. And who can believe? Maybe Chris and I can throw another question at you. Where does a team clinch a playoff berth by Labor Day? That might be one of the earliest I've ever heard of, because the Bombers can clinch a playoff berth with a win. I would assume that's what the CFL said the other day. Yeah, that's Remember right. That? They can even clinch with a loss if uh, the right combination of things happen. They could clinch with a loss as well if uh, Hamilton, Ottawa, and Edmonton all lose too. Uh, I remember on the too, yeah. yeah on the for, on the Frankie Hickson thing. I remember watching the game on Saturday and thinking, "Who's Frankie Hickson?" Because I'll be honest, I don't I don't watch yeah. every Riders game, but you know, you look at his stats coming in. He had some <laughs> some big carries early in the season, but there was. Was there any indication that this was coming from Frankie X in 15 carries, 129 yards on Saturday? No, because Jason Moss hadn't showed that commitment to the running game before with uh, Jamal Moore. They come out, start Jason Moss is the offense coordinator, former Elks uh, head coach and all these other things. And he hasn't shown that commitment to the running game. They'll start off with a, a real, you know, the push to the running game and then drift off into the passing game. They hadn't shown that commitment. And I guess they found out they could move the ball against the lines on the ground. And it was great. He's, he's fun to watch. Like Jamal Morrow was a fun guy to watch too, but Hickson's just got this power that he can uh, get through guys and hit holes. So yeah, I, I didn't really see it coming out. I, I thought he could do well, but I thought he'd get about 50 yards and they go off to see what they could do generate passing. So it was a, a triple, it was a good, a good offensive uh, schemes by Jason Moss. It took advantage of the running game to kind of distribute the ball to Frankie Hickson. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do against the Blue Bombers. I'm sure the whole offense can do against the Blue Bombers. It should be a lot of fun to watch. You mentioned uh, the chance to clinch a playoff spot. So really, I think part of that clinching it by Labor Day is that the season is starting a little earlier now. Uh, it started yeah. you know, a couple weeks into June now instead of in July. But still, it is 13 weeks into a season yeah. to clinch a, a playoff spot. is 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 pretty remarkable. But I mean, 11-1 and one yeah. is one of the best starts you'll ever see in the Canadian Football uh-huh. League. What is the thought in Regina right now on the Blue Bombers? The fact that the Riders have lost the last two West Finals to Winnipeg. You know, the Bombers seem to be the the crown of the C- crown jewel of the CFL right now. They've won the last two Grey Cups and barely lose anymore. Is there a, a feeling that they're too big to fail? Or is it going to be, hey, you know what? The Bombers, they're, they're human. We, we're going to beat them on Sunday. That, that's the latter, I think, is the sense I get. Some of saying the people are realistic. They they look at what the Blue Bombers do and what they've done right in the last couple of years, and they're envious. I think they they'd love to see the Riders get kind of that kind of offensive line and that kind of. We would we would love to get that kind of quarterbacking out of Zach Galaris when he was here. 
We just didn't get it. So there's there's some envy, but I don't think they, we've seen the Blue Bombers do have some holes and, you know, maybe you can take advantage of keep a close game and put it on the field goal kicker's foot and stuff like that. So there's there's hope here that they can beat them, I think, after taking on the Lions. But the Ryder fans are also realistic. That was Nathan Ward didn't play for the Lions. And then Michael O'Connor got hurt. So in a strange world of the CFL, two Canadian quarterbacks get hurt by the same team in consecutive weeks which is always kind of, you never say never in the CFL, but that just seems like a strange sort of development for that. But uh, I think they're they're relatively optimistic. They can beat the Blue Bombers, but I think if they lose, it won't be the uh, the end of the world. Like if they lost to someone like Ottawa or something, they understand that the, the Blue Bombers are the class of the league, and they definitely are. And it's, you know, I, I try to I watch all the games, and they're just a great team to watch, and you've got to give O'Shea and, and everyone credit for putting together a great team. You guys are pretty lucky, and they better enjoy the ride because sometimes it ends after a while. It's just what happens in football. Absolutely. I, I, have to, I was talking about that after the Calgary game, after a great game. I was like, am I taking this for granted that this football is, yeah. you know, it's this great game over and over again between those two teams, and they keep winning, and I keep assuming they're going to win, and they keep doing it, right? But uh, I'm, cu- I'm curious, looking at, this weekend's game between these two clubs going over all the, the years you've covered the Labor Day classic, did it change when it moved from old mosaic to new mosaic? Does the game feel different or is it still the same? Oh, it's still the same. Actually a little bit better to be perfectly honest. There was a corner of old mosaic stadium where the blue bomber fans used to go and party. They'd all get off of the bus and that house is just this incredible blue bomber world of I don't know if you have. Have you ever been to Labor Day Classic, Kristen? Have I have not. There? Sorry, that's another. No, no I have so not. I've, I've been to Regina once. I called a Bison's uh, Rams game a number of years ago at Old okay. Mosaic for UMFM, but that's the only time I've been to Regina. Unfortunately, I need to get there. Yeah, but so I really think there's there's fond memories of of Old Mosaic City, but I think people appreciate what they have now, and that's, I don't think. I think it's more exciting. You know, they have more opportunity. They do a really good job of playing out. Like there's a fan day on uh, on Saturday, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff leading up to the game prior to the kickoff and stuff that's really very, very well done, and people enjoy it. So, and I think people, you just got tired of, you know, the urinals and the stand-up urinals and the troughs in the bathroom, the women lineups for bathrooms and stuff at the old mosaic scene. So they, I think they're they're more appreciative of where they are now. And it, and it can get rocking. Old New Mosaic Stadium, with 33,000 people and they're all going cheering for the riders is really something to hear and see and, and be part of. And I know the Blue Bombers have an incredible atmosphere too. And it's, there's a little bit of a competition between him and the Banjo Bowl. But I think people just appreciate having some of the comforts, including drink holders and not sitting on, on boards without back without backs on them. That, uh, I think they, the Labor Day Classic is the, the mood and the atmosphere and all the uh, fun is carried over to the new stadium. And why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? One last question, and I'll let you go. Last time we had you on, it was about Garrett Marino. He had just been suspended. <laughs> uh, he's not suspended at the moment. He's been fined since he came back from that suspension. There's some, I, I think, some worry among some Blue Bomber fans that this player who has shown an intent to injure a couple times is out there, and Zach Kolaris is, you know, the 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 piece that brought the Blue Bombers the two Grey Cups. Uh, what, what is there? What's the feeling right now in Rajon regarding? Garrett Marino and the fact that he's still playing football for the Rough Riders. I think they figured he served his suspension and he deserves his opportunity to come back and play. Do I agree with that? Yeah. Four games for a guy who's probably making the minimum salary is a pretty steep 
price should have been more. Probably that was a pretty pretty dirty hit he had on Mazzoli. I don't think his Antigone and stuff. I would think there's there he was pretty good last week. I don't think he got an unnecessary roughness penalty, which is almost a. But he may have. I have to double check that. So don't. I I think they're just willing to give him a chance, right, rightfully or wrongly. Do you, do you guys think? He, I, I God. I would hate if a guy would headhunt another quarterback like that. That would just be, you know, beyond belief that some guy would be allowed in the league to do that. So, here's hoping he continues to play well and keeps his name off the stat sheet on the penalties and just handles things. So, it's just a different situation with him. I've never seen a player like that and do the things he does. And it's, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I just want just a quick update. If you you have a second here, uh, Craig Dickinson is out with COVID. He's going to be missing. The head coach going to be missing all of uh, all the week with COVID. I'm, I'm not sure when he got it, so we're not sure. He's supposed to be back on Saturday. So if he's back, it just it, you didn't want really to notice anything in practice today. It just it seemed to be the same hustle, the same things that without him being there, because they're, they're kind of rotating the coordinators through the uh, head coaching duties. Today was a special teams coach. Tomorrow might be the defensive head, defensive coordinator and. Uh, Friday will be the offense coordinator, Jason Moss. So it's business as usual, and it really did look like that. It's just he wasn't around to answer all our questions about the roster, so we don't. We're kind of a little left a little bit in the uh, in the question mark area about Duke Williams and some of these guys we saw get hurt. So uh, you know, COVID's part of our lives, and today was a stark reminder that it is a part of our lives, and it's it's going to come around. So I guess we all have to get used to it, or still or stay used to it, or wear a mask. I guess and that's okay. Well. Thanks for the uh, the update there, Murray. I meant to ask about that and I forgot. So thanks for bringing that back around. Appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much for this and have a great time at the game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to get to see all the Winnipeg guides again and we'll have a good time. Thanks for calling me and uh, anytime, give me a call. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the